I'm the editor of Flying Solo, and this episode is brought to you by Flying Solo's premium membership. Massive tools and benefits to help your business stand out and to ensure you stay at the top of your game, all for just $99. More details on the website. Now on to the show. Paul Gordon and Janine Robertson are the co-authors of a new book called Spenditude, A Life-Changing Attitude to Money. Sounds great. It's a physical expression of their philosophy that it's our attitude towards money that has the biggest impact on how much we have and what we do with it. Welcome to the podcast, Janine and Paul. Thanks, Thanks Lucy. Now, I wanted to start first up by talking about how you two met and came to write the book. Yeah, well, we've probably been working together on and off for about 15 years and, and writing financial wellbeing programs for the corporate workplace. Mm-hmm. And... Um, during the global financial crisis, way back when, we wrote a program for uh, people who'd been retrenched. And what we found, amazingly, that those who survived the redundancy ordeal were not necessarily those who uh, had the most money or were older or younger. What we found is it was their attitude to money that got them through. And that sort of sparked our interest in talking about attitudes to money. Mm-hmm. Planted the seed. It certainly did. And so you're both sort of in that, well, you're both financial wellbeing experts, but what would you say led you into the industry, um, So Paul and I have both got diverse backgrounds, but I think that the main thing is this sense of a lot of these education programs and things maybe not working so well when we're teaching everyone to budget or to stop buying coffee. It doesn't seem to be that successful. And so trying to look at things in a different way and trying to help people move forward is really something that Paul and I are both quite interested in and passionate about. Mm. And changing your brain. I think, you know, the idea that you can actually teach your brain not to listen to your brain is quite fascinating. Definitely. It reminds me a little bit of that mindset around when you go on a diet and you're changing your, like, unless you change your, the way you think about yeah. food, you're not going to really change what you're going to be doing. Yeah, because we all life. know that we the certain things that we shouldn't be eating or yeah. drinking, but um, there's probably an underlying thing there, isn't there, that yeah. you've, got, you've got to address in order to be as successful as you can be. Yeah, absolutely. So now let's get stuck into the book. So... My understanding of the philosophy is that it's our attitude to money that has the most impact on how much we actually have and what we do with it. I suppose in a nutshell, why is that? Well, uh, our belief is that you uh, form your attitude to money by the time you're seven years of age. Mm. And in the book, we talk a lot about that and why that is so. And we also go on even further to say it's it's not necessarily your parents that you should be blaming for your attitude to money. Mm. It's a whole range of other things. So if you believe those two things, which we prove, um, the next step really is to say, well, how can you go through life and maybe not check in on your attitude to money? And that's what we've found is a lot of people are asleep. Mm. They're not attracted to self-help books. They won't go to a financial well-being program because... They're stuck in their own attitude. And I just think, is it is it sort of like you just think that's how it is? That's like how that's it how is. is. Yeah, that's and really that's my lot. That's my lot. Yeah. Exactly. That's how yes. I'm wired. So you said we, we, we start these patterns around seven, which seems alarmingly young. Like, how does that happen? What are we doing to be? What's informing that? I guess what people then automatically assume, well, it must be your parents that are influencing these attitudes to money. But 
actually, if you have a think about the siblings that you have in your family, and, and we do this a lot when we're presenting um, in kind of corporate workplaces and things, think about your siblings and do they have the same attitudes to money as you? Mm. Oh, no. I'd say nine out of ten times they, <laughs> the answer is no. Yeah. And um, th that that's part of part of it. So your parents might influence it a little bit, but probably there's something in you, there's a bit of DNA, a bit of personality, and then those experiences that you have in life that influence it as well. It's also the shape of your brain in relation to addiction and things like that. You know, if you see young kids who can't possibly do without getting something every time, yes. and others will compromise and say, well, if I can get more of it later, I might not be so hectic at getting it now yeah. and that's an early sign but where the real sign comes out where you actually identify what we call your spenditude your attitude to money is when you start earning money uh, mm. because it's what you do with it mm. so we've got these frameworks for who, who you could possibly be and that's yeah so let's define those because there's three right yeah there's three there's a, a spender a slender and a defender mm -hmm. And um, maybe we look at the spender first, then the defender. Mm -hmm. So the, the spender is probably the easiest one to understand in a simple sense. It's someone who probably spends a little bit more than they earn, but don't feel terribly guilty about it. So spenders, um, if they have money, they spend it. They enjoy that, have a good time. And maybe if they don't have it, they're borrowing to spend. But money to them is boring. It's something that they don't really want to focus on. Spenders are really good people to hang out with. Yeah, yes, they have a, yeah wow. fun people. Yeah, but the, <laughs> money, money is not big to them and it's a transaction to yeah. them. Yeah. Whereas the defender is at the other end. And the other end is where somebody um, looks at money and financial independence and financial security is paramount. If they spend, and they don't mind spending, but they hate waste, just imagine they've got this sort of value lens over their eyes. And this value lens looks at a, a purchase as, where are you going to get this money from? Do you need it today? Can you get two for one? Can you get a tax deduction? Is there a frequent flyer program involved? So they're automatically looking at buying stuff through this more um, focused lens. And they're clearly defined. So we've got a spender over there that doesn't have a relationship with money but loves to spend it. Yep. And at the other end, somebody that has a very um, focused relationship. And in the middle is the slender. And the slender is somebody who tries hard to do the right thing. But they start to spend too much sometimes and get very guilty, whereas the spender doesn't have guilt. Or they move into defender land and get very focused, but not for long. Mm. They can't stay there. So they stick in this middle area, and we think that's probably about 60% of the population. I was going to ask you that if, if that, they're the most sort of common person. They are. Because we all can get a bit derailed without even having yeah. intentions. And for those listening, if you don't know what you are after listening to our descriptions, you're a slender. Okay. Because clearly oh. spenders are there. And defenders are over there. Yeah. And the ones in the middle are these ones that move around. And it's interesting, like, listening to you describe them, I can pick people in my life who are all those ones. Yeah. Not so readily for myself. <laughs> which is, a lot about which is my, really interesting because thing. that is another thing we talk about in the book yeah. is identifying those people around you because that can mm. really improve those conversations that you're having as well. Mm. Well, we spoke to a specialist in mediation for um, when, when couples separate, mm. and a financial mediator. And he was saying that um, he sees so many spenders and defenders together. together who don't have a conversation. 
so they don't build a spenditude for themselves to, for the as a couple, and then it just goes to mud, mm -hmm. and the lawyers win. No one else does. Mm. So it's it, we've got a whole chapter called "Underneath the Spreadsheets." Wow! So it even pays for your marriage. To oh, you know. We're thinking a spenditude should be in the algorithm for eHarmony and yes. the dating sites. <laughs> yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah. Are you listening in eHarmony? <laughs> <laughs> we need to share the episode with them. Yes. So those definitions are fascinating. Can we change our mindset as we age? Can we become ah. and stick to it? Well, I'm the perfect example of that because I am a true spender. Mm -hmm. um, oh, there you go. So... Through my life, I've just that's that's been in my DNA. But I've had to adapt. You know, there's been some life events that have forced me to adapt. Uh, a divorce didn't help me, uh, particularly when I was married to a defender, um, and we didn't have these conversations. So I've learnt the hard way to mm -hmm. help write this book. Um, but I think what happens, and and certainly it happens with the spenders that we've interviewed, is you're always a spender at heart. Yeah. But once you become aware of things you stop yourself and say, well, that's not going to serve me. So it's more controlled spender that you can become. Mm -hmm. But rarely will a spender become a defender because that's too deep inside yeah, their, their DNA. Yeah. Unless forced to, I suppose. Well, Unless life events can force you to yes, do things. Um, but what we're saying is if you're a spender or a slender, which is where the book is sort of focused is, is on them because they want to have a better uh, life. Yeah. Um, just make sure that um, you're aware of what you are and learn some of the tricks from the defender. Mm. We're also saying defenders don't have all the fun. You know, they sometimes get a bit stuck in their own defenderism. Yeah. yeah. It's almost in a way you can imagine as a couple it would be good to have a little bit of both. Oh, yeah. Ideally. In yes. In a perfect world. Um, so if we've decided we know now what our mindset is, what are sort of three habits perhaps we could try to start adopting to help us to change our money behaviors. So I th I'd say the first one is just that awareness. So yep. we've been talking about that for a little while now. Um, building your awareness of your own spenditude, of your partner if you have one, of those people around you is the first step. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's lots of habit-changing programs and the most famous one, if you think back to your Alcoholics Anonymous and things, that's been running since 1935 and their first step is that acknowledgement and awareness. Yes. That's probably the best thing that you can start to do. That's powerful. Yeah. You know, we've we've seen so many times, and uh, we we interviewed a lot of people in the book. Mm. And when the awareness light bulb comes on, things start to change. Mm. But the second one's your brain, so it's actually uh, sleep. Yeah, and chapter two is all about sleep, and so there's a really interesting link between sleep and decision making, mm. sleep and financial decision making. Yes. And you can just imagine, think of a spender on no sleep out there spending money and the crazy thing is that you can do that on your phone. Jerry Harvey day. loves spenders who don't sleep much because uh, <laughs> they just get seduced by his, uh, his great sales and things like this. It is quite dangerous well, no, for a spender to, be, to have, not I have much sleep. I absolutely believe that. I have a, my youngest is three and has just started sleeping through the night like last year. So I'm on my, after six years of nothing, I'm having the best sleep of my life, I feel like. <laughs> Congratulations. And I do feel like that, like I'm suddenly awake to the world. Yeah. Like literally awake, like yeah. normally awake. It really impacts. So I can absolutely believe that. Yeah. It's really and, sensible. And so there's some really good um, tips in the book about sleep hygiene and things yeah. like that 
to help you, to help you get through your day. And I mean, that's not only about financial decision making, that's other decisions in your life. Sleep's such an important thing. It's the wonder drug. Yeah, it is. It it's available is. in a bed near you for yes. free. Yes, <laughs> yes apparently so. <laughs> um, and, and there's a third. Yeah, there's a third. And the third one is uh, to quantify what you earn. Yeah, so if you're a tradie or if you work in retail or something like that, you're probably quite connected to how much you earn on an hourly basis. Mm -hmm. But I think so many of us work in corporate world and if you just think about money and how money has changed over the years, you know, where we used to see cash a lot, we're not using it anymore. And having an understanding of your hourly rate after tax is a really powerful thing to help you think about your spending. So the third tip is simply to quantify it because it flips the way you spend money from being about the cost of an item to your income. Mm -hmm. It's really quite powerful. And we're surrounded here as, as this podcast has been recorded by a lot of office workers. Mm -hmm. And office workers are notoriously um, uh, not connected to their money because it's paid into a bank so and, true. as Janine said, tap and go and stuff like that. Yeah. It's rare to, if you ask them, what's your hourly rate? They wouldn't know. So when they buy something, they don't know how many hours that's taken. That's true. You think about it in terms of your salary. Yeah. Don't you? you talk in terms of your salary. No but not, not an hourly rate. No. And it's, uh, it's quite, it, it's, a, it's an eye-opener. Yeah. And defenders do this naturally. So all we're saying is do what they do. Just be them. Be, but be, have more fun than they do, <laughs> which I do. It's interesting about the hourly rate thing. I just did a um, time management exercise over a period of weeks where the expert, Kate Christie, got me to think about my time in terms of my hourly rate because she's like, that really helps you to prioritise. It's like, yeah. hmm. I've just spent $800 worth this week on that. Is that really what you wanted to, you know? Yeah, wow. Like, uh, That's, that is a really so interesting exercise. I can imagine that breaking that down again. Yeah. yeah Bite-sized things. The last thing I wanted to talk about, because it appealed to me a lot, being that I absolutely love drinking coffee, um, when we spoke to prepare for this, you said you had good news about our daily coffee habit. We love coffee. We say drink the coffee. Drink the coffee and buy the coffee. Right? Buy the coffee, drink the coffee, use a keep cup, better for the environment. That's true. But um, lots of research about spending money and um, the anticipation of a reward tells us that if you are a spender or a slender and you want to delay some of those buying habits, stop yourself and go and have coffee. It'll help you with that uh, dopamine hit in your brain to pass through that moment of wanting to spend. Hmm. So take a moment and have a coffee. So all these coffee vendors down here should be delighted with yeah, us. I just, wanted, that. <laughs> I, I just wanted to say as well that something that we've, we've identified, and it sort of came out as we started to write the book, is that... I'm a spender and Janine is a defender. Mm -hmm. So in a lot of ways we've been, when we wrote together, it's, it's been amazing that we've been able to sort of uh, represent both of these types. Yes. Um, and that's where I think the magic of the writing's in, is that we're representing mm. these types. We, we haven't sort of theorised that this is what they might be. Yeah. Really so sometimes we don't understand each other, but we worked it out in the end. Yeah, yeah that's, that's <laughs> true. We're still friends. Yeah, we're still smiling. <laughs> um, obviously, we all need to go out and buy this book. Where can we buy it? And also, where can we find you? 
on social media. Yeah. So we've got an Instagram account. You can follow us at Spenditude. Um, we've also got Spenditude.com and there's links in there to buy it, but it is available in bookstores, um, airports, dimmicks, readings, things like that. Awesome. All your good bookstores. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining us and we'll put links to all that in the podcast notes as well. Thanks, Lucy. Thanks, Lucy. Thanks for having us. Right. And that's where we'll leave this show from Flying Solo and your host, Robert Gerrish. We'd love to receive feedback, even a brief review for those listening via iTunes. If you're planning to start a business or rejuvenate the one you're in, check out our bestseller, Flying Solo, How to Go It Alone in Business. It includes everything we know about working on your own. And of course, we invite you to dive into the resources and supportive community at flyingsolo.com.au. 